0: John chapter 1. Feeling unusual heaviness in my spirit this morning. An unusual tension, even if you will. I'll be careful. The presence of the Lord. What a time we live in. We've got to have the presence of the Lord again. We've got to. People of God, let me remind you of something. Don't be a grumbler and a complainer. Don't you dare grumble about your condition if you haven't sought the God of heaven for your situation. That's heavy for me because I'm the first one to get out of joint sometimes. I don't like where we're at as a nation. Do you? But more than I don't like where we're at as a nation, I don't like where we're at as a church, collectively. We're where we're at as a nation because of where the church is at. I can tell you that. You say, Pastor, you place blame... They are often say, so I'm not really here to place blame. I'm just here to preach truth. And our condition's just heavy today. When I see I'll start it just an unusual manner this morning. I already have for a Sunday morning. We pray on Sunday nights at Mag Church. Collectively at the end of service. And God has answered many prayers that we've played, prayed collectively. I mean we could it's recordable, it's documentable. Prayers that God has answered. He's made ways this body of believers in ways that only he could do it over and over oft times we rejoice at answered prayer as we should come on somebody as we should but sometimes answered prayers are actually very heavy things for instance You've heard me pray many times out loud, leading this congregation in prayer Lord, expose the corruption in leadership in the nation, but in the church, that they would either repent or remove them. Repent and bless them to lead. Or expose them and remove them. How many have heard me pray that? Many times. Those are heavy prayers. And they're heavy when God answers. Not every answered prayer is, a, is an occasion to shout, sometimes it's a time to lament. Where we're at. Oh, I think we're at a time where it's high time that the priests were crying between the porch and the altar again. I do. Like in Numbers when there was an insurrection against the leadership of Moses and Aaron and really to God. Twice. And there was a plague that went through the camp because of it. And Moses, the very leader, they were rising up against and Aaron, the priest, that they were rising up again when God told him, he said, stand aside and I will consume them in an instant. And the men of God, Moses said, Aaron, quickly get incense and fire from off the altar. Church, we gotta have fire on the altar again. incense that go before him as a fragrance praise and fire from off the altar again and a completely it was God's people let me hear let me remind you it was God's people it was God's people and they were dying literally just falling dead all around because instead of repenting on the first time they Continued to rise up against God's people, and God said, "Stand aside." And Moses said, "Aaron, quick! Go get a censer and get an incense and fire from off the altar." He said, "And run, run, run into the midst of the people." Run and stand between the living and the dead. Do we have anybody that will run with fire from off the altar and stand between the living and the dead? God said to the prophet, he said, I search for one among you that would go Stand in the gap and make up the hedge. There's, there's a breach. Yeah. Yeah. When, there, when there's a breach, everything can come in.. Amen. Into right. Amen. the church where there's a breach, anything can come in. He right. right. said, so I'll search for one among you not in the world in the here in his people i search for one among you that would stand in the gap make up the hedge that's literally to close the breach do you know you can close the breach for somebody do you know that you have the ability through intercession through through Breaking through to a place of power and fire of the Holy Ghost that you can stand in the gap. Close the breach, church. Some of us need, there's somebody in your home that needs to stand in the gap. Stop murmuring and complaining about what's wrong in your life and wrong in your family and get between the living and the dead. That son, that daughter, that husband. They're not in a right place. The, bre- the hedge is down. It's a, there's a brokenness. But you can stand in the gap. You can close the breach. It says, God said, I searched for a man among you. He said, but I found none. God help us. In Isaiah 58, on this great chapter about what it is, a fast that pleases God. See, it ain't about getting things. Or, or moving God. It's about changing us. He's talked about the fast that God blesses, that He's pleasing. He, he, he talked about it, it will break the bonds of wickedness. Of who? You. Yeah, yeah. It'll change your heart. Us. But when you read on down through Isaiah 58, it says, he talked about, it says, Then your light will break forth like the morning. And your springs will spring forth like a river. Then it says that you shall be called. A repairer of the breach. We have a responsibility. Not just the pastor, we have a responsibility. We rail. I, I, I do it. I rail against the world system. And there's a time to stand for truth. There, that's a, but I'm talking about we're not doing anything. God's not impressed by our murmuring and complaining and our complacency. He's not moved by our indignation. His His word tells us that that there's anger that profits little. Oh, there's things you should be angry about. You should hate the things God hates. But to be indignant without brokenness before God to be angry without taking it to the throne. He might as well be fighting a wildfire with a water pistol. you will accomplish nothing. I look all over the heaviness of what's going on in my own fellowship with years of sexual abuse covered up in an organization and exposure by the week it's heavy. When revered men of God are exposed in, in their sexual deviancy, it's heavy and it hurts people. But I'll remind you, we prayed for what was hidden to be exposed. I'll remind you that that judgment must begin in the house of the Lord. I'll remind you that everything that can be shaken in the heavens and on the earth and beneath the earth will be shaken. So that which cannot be shaken can stand. I'll remind you. We have a generation that know nothing of the power of God, absolutely nothing, that the power of God and the things of God are nothing but Sunday morning rhetoric from a man standing on a stage. We've got to stand in the gap. We've got to run into the midst of the people that are dying all around us and stand between the living and the dead. There's got to be a return of his power. There's got to be. Church, there's got to be. John chapter one, after it introduces the Living Word, it says there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. God, if there could be anything written about me when my days are over, that I was a man sent from God. There was a God. Let me tell you something, Church. God always has a man. And in somebody's life, you're that man. Talk about mankind. You say, I'm a woman. Stop it. In somebody's life, you're that man. A man sent from God. And when it's a man sent from God and all the heartache and all the woe and all of the spiritual declension and condition. And when John was introduced here, it had been 400 years of silence from God. It was a terrible situation. He was the one, he was the voice that was crying in the wilderness. They were in a wilderness of Moses in, 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 in Numbers chapter 21. They're in the wilderness. There's the times of wilderness in our lives that God appoints us to that time. And I want to tell you, when God puts you in the wilderness, he has a purpose, and it's to bring you close to him where you'll cry out to him. You can't shorten your days in the wilderness, but you can absolutely lengthen them. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. And he was not the light. (laughs) He said, I'm not the Christ. What are you then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. I said, are you a prophet? He answered, no. John says, no. Jesus says, yes. (laughs) Yes. Jesus said, John the Baptist is the greatest prophet that ever lived. He said, Who am I? He said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said in verse 24. It says, Now those who were who were who sit were from the Pharisees, and they come to him. They asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is is he who is coming after me. He's preferred before me whose sandal I'm not worthy to loose. John answered and said, and said in verse 28, these things were done beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. In verse 29 it says, and John the next day saw Jesus coming toward him. And said, Behold, that stop and look on him. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Church, the power is in the gospel, it's a supernatural gospel. We're not pointing them to Mag. Church, we're not pointing them to the assemblies of God, we're not pointing them to the preacher or to the evangelist. And stop and look on Him, behold the Son of God, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. In Numbers chapter 21, they were in a situation. It said, It's the children of Israel, they're, they're following Moses and Aaron and it says they journey through Mount Hor and by way of the Red Sea and they go around the land of Edom and the soul of the people become very discouraged on the way. When I look across these people today, can I ask you, how many of you your soul has ever come discouraged along the way in life? The preacher will tell you there's times and off times lately that my soul becomes discouraged along the way. Discouragement comes, but I come to talk about some serious things this morning because when discouragement comes and groaning and complaining follows we've missed the boat. When we don't take our, our heartaches and our troubles and our discouragement to the only one somebody say the only one. He's the only one that can help. He's the only one that has the answer. He's the only one that can take away the issue. He's the only one that can break the back of sin. He's the only one that can set free and deliver. He's the only one that knows what to do, that can make a way when there seems to be no way. He's the only one. We get discouraged along the way. But if I, I'm, the, the writer of Hebrews says, I'm looking to Jesus. The author and the finisher of my faith. says they were discouraged along the way. And oh, what a mistake they've made. Listen, it says, this is the people of God. It says, and the people spake against God and against Moses. Think of it. I told you last week, and I want to remind you. I told you at the close of service that the Lord began to deal with my heart last week. And I, want to, I told you you'd hear it again, and I want you to hear me. Because discouragement comes. That's, that's just the human condition sometimes. But we have to learn our source. We have to learn our source. Because we're believing somebody and we're testifying about something all the time. You're not hearing me. It says that they they were discouraged along the way and they complained against God and Moses. They complained against God and his man. And let me remind you that complaining is the testimony of the carnal mind and is the enemy of the plan of God for your life. Hear me again. Complaining is the testimony of the carnal mind and is the enemy of the plan of God for your life and it will kill your destiny. Hear me. Because when, you know, I don't I don't have much problem when people fail forgiving them. I really don't. But people fall short when they when they sin. They think people hide things from the preacher. They don't know because they hear me preach straight and they hear me preach the word and they don't know there's nobody in this world that would be a, that's a greater friend to them in their failure. I'm gonna stand in the gap for you, make up the heads for you, I'm gonna cry with you, work to restore you. When people have a broken and contrite heart. But whenever we ignore it and act like it's no big deal. And it festers. And when you preach straight and and try to guide people in. And you see things going on in your own church, your own family. And you preach and you teach and you pray. And people ignore and do it anyway. And then complain and bellyache and cry. And wonder how they got there. It makes a preacher want to complain and fast and gripe. Oh, you're wondering. It's a temptation for everybody but but go through this book and begin to read from cover to cover that every time that the people of God began to complain that God's anger was kindled against them. Not every once in a while but every single time because when you begin to complain you are testifying that what God's plan for your life isn't coming to pass. When you begin to complain you're really saying out loud "I, I don't trust God and I don't believe He can do it. Right, right. I don't understand it. So God, it says they complained against God. Do we under? Does it even begin to sink in that when we're complaining and we're not praying, we're in rebellion? When we're murmuring complain, that we are literally coming against God's plan. And yet we're unmoved, completely unchanged. By the way, the Word of God calls that stiff neck. It's rebellion. Can I ask you, how in the world are you quoting Jeremiah 29 and 11 but complaining against everything in life? Can I remind you that Jeremiah 29 and 11, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, was leading up to the testimony that his plan for them was 70 years of Babylonian captivity. But it was God's plan for their life. Would you be real honest if I talk about how many of you feel like sometimes that everything is coming against you that nothing is right? Gloom, despair, agony on me. That's not in the hymn book. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. It's about as theologically correct as half of the modern worship tunes, but it's still not a worship tune. I didn't mean to say that, but I did. (laughs) Why? Listen. Why? Listen to verse five of number. Why have you brought us out of Egypt? Now, if I didn't read any further, say, "My God, have I bored you that you didn't even catch it?" They murmured against God and against and against Moses. They said, "Why have you brought us out of Egypt?" Why have you delivered us from 400 years of slavery? Where we labored and built the wonders of the world under the hand of Pharaoh, under a godless king. Jesus, why did you save me? When you look at the word of God, Egypt is is the bondage of sin. And that Passover is coming into life out of the bondage of sin. They might as well be saying in 2023, my life's not going right. I'm not where I thought I would be. I don't have what I thought I would have. I'm not getting to eat what I thought I would eat. I'm not driving the car I thought I would drive. My kids are not doing as well as I thought they would do. Why did you save me? When you come to the place that what, that the spiritual things of God are, are 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 fall below in importance of the of the blessings of God, you've lost. It's because we've been conditioned to a place that things are God's favor. Things are God's favor, salvation is God's favor, the power of God is God's favor, the fruit of the spirit is God's favor, the gifts of the spirit are God's favor. If you never have another thing. To say to God, why have you brought us out of Egypt? My God! No wonder God's, God's anger was kindled. No wonder he began, the, the things that began to, no wonder he's insulted. No wonder they were hopelessly bound. Why have you brought us out of Egypt? To die in the wilderness. Let me tell you, if you're out of Egypt and you die in the wilderness, then God, if you're out of sin, if He saved your soul, if you've been reconciled to God and you're on your way to heaven, if you die right there, He's given you more than you could have ever accomplished in all your lifetimes combined. He's done more than He ever had to do for you. To live is Christ. To die is gain. This old world is nothing They complain against God. Why have you brought us here to die in the wilderness? Complaining against God does something. See, it's the testimony of a carnal mind. And it's speaking out against the plan of God for your life. And it will kill your destiny. Those people were destined for a land that was flowing with milk and honey. Those people were destined for a place that that had grapes that you had to haul between two men on a stay. Those people were destined for a place that was created for them. They were destined for a place (laughs) that was too grand that they they didn't even have the words to describe it. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness complaining? Listen, for there is no food, no water. Our soul, listen to this, our soul loathes this worthless bread. Oh, I'm reminded right now where the Hebrew writer says you've counted the blood of Jesus as a casual thing. Right. Bread, bread. The bread of life. This worthless. I've, there's no food, no water in our souls. Loaves, This worthless bread. Verse 6. So the Lord. I want you to look at those three words, so the Lord. So the, it's in, because of what they just said. Because of their, where they were at, because of their carnal complaint. It says, so the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people, many of the people of Israel died. Let me hear you. Let me tell you something. Whenever you begin to lament what he's brought you out of, are you hearing me? When you begin to lament what he's brought you out of. Whenever deliverance from the bondage of sin is not enough. Whenever you're not satisfied with eternal life, hear me, church. You've opened the floodgates. Says he sent fiery, serp- fiery serpents it uh, began to bite. Let me th- let me tell you something: the carnal condition begins to bite. Romans chapter eight tells us that to be spiritually mi- that to be carnally minded. Is what? Death. I gotta hurry. I'm gonna remind you that the ones that died right here, they were out of Egypt. They went to Abraham's bosom. But they didn't see the fullness of the promise. They died in the wilderness, they didn't have to die there. They died, fall short. They they died far far short of God's plan for their life because in a temporary moment they wanted to lament that all God done was save them uh, that the bread wasn't good enough. Listen when you when you complain against the hand of God delivering you and the bread's not good enough then the fiery serpents are just going to come. It's just the result of complaining. It's the results of complaining. Some people, Christians, are, I don't understand why well, all this keeps happening to me. Well, you have a PhD in complain. And you hadn't graduated kindergarten in praise and prayer. Oh, it's quiet. I think I'll just sit down a minute. Let that soak a second. I think I will. You got a PhD. You could teach the course. At any, you could teach any Ivy League school. You could preach, you could teach at Harvard. In Yale and Princeton maybe even on the other coast at Caltech you got you are you are you are an expert in murmuring and complaining how you got that level of education when you never get out of kindergarten is beyond me you're going to heaven But the bites hurt. And some people die from them. Mm. Yeah. I told you a long time ago, if you come to MAG expecting to be comfortable and be an easy church to go to, you that you probably pick the wrong place. Because we're just going to preach the word. The whole council, we're going to challenge you. But when we step into it, you know what we're going to see—the power of God in our church, in our homes, in our lives. I'm tired of getting snake bit. Oh, what are the snake bites? I I, I don't have time to elaborate. But everything that happens in your life that's tragic and misses the best of God, that hurts, that stings, that kills, that steals, it's the snake bite. It says, and the people ran back to God. By the way, that's what they're for. Did I lose you, quiet people? See, when God allows and does, he doesn't do it to destroy. He, get, he does in mercy and grace for people to turn. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses, listen to me, preacher. Preacher's wife. Preacher, preacher's wife. Preacher's wife. Preacher, preacher's wife. Christian, board member, believer. Are you with me? Because I need you to hear this. Because everything natural in that man would want to say, get them, God. They deserve it, and they did. I wish I had another hour. I'd spend another hour right here talking to you one more time about how offense and unforgiveness has zero place in the life of a believer. Absolutely none none I could tell you stories that would curl your hair about what people have said to me to my face at this church some of them walk away and never come back or haven't yet some of them do it and come back and you know what you got to do you hug them and you love them and you forgive them and you preach to them and you pray for them and you deal with it. Right. I'm going to talk, everybody else can listen in. I'm going to talk to my staff just a minute. You have no choice. Not because I, you work for me, or in, in all, because the Word of God says so. You have no choice. You have no choice. You ain't hearing me. You have no choice. It's not an option in a believer. They had done everything. They they'd already two chapters behind and went to God complaining about Moses and Aaron. God has opened up a hole in the ground, swallowed them, their families, their homes, everything. The very next day, they do it again. Stand aside, Moses. The very next day, Moses said, Oh God, no, don't do it. Whenever if it would have been me, I would have said, Get up, God! And then I would have went... God's on my side. And in the meantime, they're just as dead. Y'all not hearing? And you think your responsibility, I'm talking to the rest of you again, you think your responsibility is different. It's not. This is the third time in two chapters that they rose up against Moses and God. God sends the serpents. They come saying, "Oh, God, Moses, we've done it again. And it says, and Moses prayed for the people. Moses prayed for the people. Some of y'all don't know because, I mean, I'm a little little high strung. Y'all know that? And I'm very seldom at a loss for words, almost never. And I'm pretty strong when I need to be. None of you would probably ever believe that I stood, stood in the office on the dedication day with the district superintendent standing in the lobby while somebody was in the office and spitting in my face telling me to F off. And to get out of their effing face. And I say, listen, we got a job to do. I need you to go back to your place and do what you're here to do. It's all going to be okay. And walk out. Why am I saying that? To talk about J.R. No. To say, there are things that God expects of you and me. We are not like the world. Listen to me. Hear me. We are not like the world. Hear me. We are not like the world. I appreciate the three of you that amen, but I'm going to tell you again. We are not like the world and Moses prayed for the people. And then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone which was bitten, and were all bitten. When he looks at it, shall live. Everyone that looks at it shall live. So Moses made the bronze serpent, that's called obedience, and put it on a pole, that's called obedience. And if if anyone had been bitten, they looked at the bronze serpent and lived. Over in the New Testament, it says. In John chapter 3, same John that just wrote John chapter 1. In John chapter 3, 14, it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the, in the wilderness. If I be lifted up. If I be lifted up. Do you know what John says? Anyone that looks on it shall live. You know what John was saying that day by the Jordan River? Behold, Behold, stop and look. Behold the Lamb of God. (laughs) Which takes away the sin of the world. He stops the snake bite. I just think it's amazing that it says these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, <laughs> yeah. in my name, they shall cast out devils. Yeah. They shall speak with other tongues. They shall heal the sick. It says if they drink any deadly thing. It says they shall walk on, says they, they shall walk on serpents. They shall not harm them. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. If you look on him, these signs shall follow them. The If you look on him, he stops the bites. Paul, on Malta, after shipwreck, I'm getting somewhere and I'm trying to hurry, but not too hard. You talk about, well, most of us, if we were Paul today, the way we've been taught, we would think that we were God forsaken. We didn't get the house we wanted and we're going to lose out with God. They were out of the Went to the restaurant the other day and the first three things I asked for, we don't have that. <laughs> not once, not twice. Three. Say, well, what, what about after that? I quit, I quit. I said, I'll, I'll just pick up something somewhere else you I'll eat. Have a few little hardships, and we think, God, why have you brought us here? Why did you take us out of Egypt? Yeah? Then you got Paul over here, been stoned and left outside the gates of the city for dead, beaten with rods, put under the lash of the cat of nine tails. Multiple times. Shipwrecked. Since I was in the deep. Three days. Shipwrecked. Now he's shipwrecked. They get in. He's with the world. He gets up there. Helps them gather firewood. Going to build a fire. And a snake bit him. They said, you must man must be cursed. That was the district superintendent, I think, that said that. (laughs) I'm talking about church people. Because you think when things go bad you ain't You must be cursed. What the TV preacher told him? You must be cursed. But he had looked on him. He had looked on him. You know, these signs shall follow them that believe. You know what he did? shook it off. He shook it off. They said, this man must be cursed. He shook it off. They were waiting on him to die. The Bible says they looked on him to die. Can't you just see him? Somebody call 911. No, I'm just going to look on him. Anybody, no CPR? Nope. Church folks. Anybody going to help him? Well, no, he shouldn't have gathered that wood. We had enough fire. So they looked on him. You know why? Expecting him to die. Expecting him to die. You know, that's what happens when we get snake bit sometimes. All the church people gather around to watch you die. Oh, uh, I'm preaching now better than you amen, Because that's what those church folks do. We're just going to watch you. When he didn't die, they said, this man must be God. No. Scott, I I I don't mean to drag it on, but you know what I've noticed? Paul didn't complain. That's right. It's not recorded. I don't I don't see one thing where Paul says, for crying out loud, shipwrecked, out all night in the sea, hanging on to a piece of wood. If God had just left me alone on that road to Damascus, this wouldn't have happened. I'm trying to bring it home to some of us when we realize how far he's brought us and we run into the trials of life like we're not going to happen and you complain against God. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded, how many of you need peace in your life? How many of you need peace in your life? How about peace, peace, wonderful, peace. How many of you need peace in your life? To be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Job was crazy. Though he slay me, yet I will serve him. The Bible says, in all this with Job, he says, he sinned not, neither did he charge God foolishly. I'm telling you folks complain God doesn't take complaining lightly and it never is gonna win a spiritual battle Jesus said take no thought take no thought for what you're gonna to eat tomorrow for what you're gonna to wear tomorrow take no thought of it He said your Heavenly Father knows what you have need of he said consider the lilies of the field he said Solomon in all of his glory were not arrayed like these he said look at the birds of the air have you ever seen any of them go hungry how much more stand with me all over the house how much more how much more somebody needs to hear it this morning how much more how much more carnally minded is death spiritually minded is life and peace look at me everyone look at me Americans you know what's causing most of our strife and contention and complaining against God It's comparing one to another it's the comparison and it's pride you know why we complain about the things we have and don't have because we want what they got that's called coveting look on him and live look on him and live behold stop and look the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world church it deals with me I don't know if it deals with you or not it deals with me because I want to live in life and peace And I don't want to be in enmity. See, the carnal says the carnal mind's in enmity with God. It's the enemy of God. This carnal thinking of ours is the enemy of God. You're standing in opposition to God. I'm trying to think of a thousand ways to say it. It's a. It's you're fighting against God. That's not the way to victory. That's the way to die in the wilderness. Be carnally minded as death. Spiritually minded, life and peace. Look on him and live. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray right now that you would touch minds and hearts all over this room. That you would break through calloused hearts, rebellious spirits. Lord, I pray that you would remove a heart of stone this morning and give us a heart of flesh. Lord, that there would be a circumcision of the heart this morning where the word of God can penetrate. Lord, my prayer is for Mag Church that when we begin to walk in you and walk in your strength and in your power. When we walk in a spiritually minded state that we can point people To the King of Kings. Lord help us. Would you send the peace speaker this morning. Would you send the peace speaker this morning. Across this house. Sing it Brandon. Peace, peace. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace. peace. Coming down from the Father above sweep over my spirit forever pray in fathomless pillow The fall. close of this service if you're here when you're watching the news and the whole world's upside down and it is it's not a surprise to God he told us exactly how it was going to be exactly how it was going to be it's not out of control it's in his control and your heart is consumed with the heaviness and complaining against what's going on. I understand it, I get it. But that's the carnal mind, I promise you. God knows what he's doing and I don't have to be a part of it. I'm not a part of it. If it's driving me to complain rather than driving me to stand in the gap, there's a place of repentance for this preacher and for the believer And I'm gonna tell you, when you're feeding on the news cycle and the political solutions, you're gonna have a complaining heart. You're gonna have a complaining heart. But my hope is not in Washington. My hope is not that the world's gonna get better because it's not. That damnable doctrine that makes its way through the church that says the world's gonna get better before it's not gonna get better. I have to set my eyes on him. And whenever I know where he's at, I can stand in the gap for everybody else and I can point to him. Behold the Lamb of God. All over this building If that's you, would you just lift your hands to heaven right now? Right where you're at, all over this house, just lift your hands to heaven. Just tell him in your own words, Lord, I need you. Maybe it's, Lord, I need you to forgive me. Forgive me for my complaining heart. Lord, show me again, remind me again where you brought me from and where I am today. Lord, when I see the condition of this world that my heart is moved to to stand in the gap, to make up the hedge and to point to you, to look on you and live. God, help me. God, help me. Lord, I thank you for life and peace. In Jesus' name.